TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And that's right, Neil Malone, happy Tuesday, everybody. Neil Malone here in for the coach. Two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com, 888-463-6748 if you want to jump in. We'll be talking plenty of different things on the show today. Definitely hit on that NFL playoff picture. We'll also preview uh, what's going to be a great week slash weekend in college football bowl games. Bulls and Hawks both uh, taking to the court and ice respectively tonight. We'll preview that. And I'll also tell you about a sport in the U.S., outside of the Big Four, that is quietly making itself quite relevant. And we'll, we'll, we'll sort of talk about that later on in the show. I'll tell you what sport that is and tell you a little bit about the league that will be making its presence known here in the U.S. over the course of the next few years. We'll also be joined by our good friend on the show, Brady Stiff, here in a few minutes uh, we'll talk to Brady about the NFL playoff picture. And about the NFL, last night we saw a very, very good matchup between the Saints and Falcons, AFC South matchup. Going into the game, Matt Ryan had a 19-1 and record at home in the Georgia Dome. Just absolutely incredible what he has been able to do at home and, and what the Falcons team as a whole has been able to do. But you had the Saints coming in, a tough team, divisional matchup, and the Saints... We're able to pull out a 17 to 14 victory over the Falcons. That record now to 19 and two. But still, if you're talking about the playoff picture, not a place you want to play. Uh, Atlanta, that is, with a 19 and two clip in their last 21 games at home. Once again, the Saints win at 17 to 14. Big win for New Orleans. Although I will have to say, neither team looked great. More of a defensive battle. You always hear about Drew Brees. You always hear about Matt Ryan and Michael Turner. All, all the offensive players, all the Saints wide receivers in that game. But really it was the defenses that starred last night. And so, I mean, you you gotta you, you have to be a little interested in what these teams can do down the stretch. But I would say from a Bears standpoint, neither team... Uh, you would be delighted to meet in the playoffs, and we'll talk to Brady about that in just a few moments. The Saints prevent Atlanta from clinching that first round bye and the home field advantage throughout the playoffs, so that was a crucial win for the Saints last night, putting a little bit more pressure on the Falcons uh, down the stretch. Also a huge game tonight in the NFL. Remember that Vikings-Eagles game uh, that was supposed to be played on Sunday was postponed due to the winter storms uh, that swept through the East Coast uh, the past few days. So that game will be played tonight, and it is a huge game for the Bears. If the Vikings somehow can pull off an upset in that football game and beat the Eagles, that means a first-round bye for the Bears, and that means the Bears will be playing for home field advantage throughout the playoffs this weekend 
uh, when they face the Green Bay Packers, something we'll get into uh, in a little bit. That'll be a tough, tough game, especially af- after seeing what the Packers have done down the stretch. So Aaron Rodgers is back. Bears are going to have to prepare for this football game as if there is nothing else, as if winning is the only option, I guess I should say. Yes, they're the division champs. Yes, if Philadelphia loses tonight, they get home field advantage. But you certainly don't want to take that mindset in, and I don't think Lovey Smith will let his team uh, have that mindset going in. Is it going to happen tonight, Vikings over the Eagles? Most likely not. I mean, this, what does this Vikings team have to play for? We saw that at TCF Bank Stadium. They looked lifeless against the Bears outside of maybe that first drive. And the Eagles have everything to play for. They're vying for the same thing the Bears are vying for, and that is that first-round buy and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. want to bring in a good friend of ours, Brady Stiff. And, Brady, what's going on today, my man? How was your Christmas? Uh, it was excellent. How was yours? It's very, very good. We did a uh, we did a down and back trip to St. Louis on Christmas Eve uh, to visit some family, and uh, the weather was subpar. Let's just put it that way. But got to spend Christmas at home, and it was very, very relaxing. So, good, so that good, was good. that was good. Plenty of plenty of football to talk about. Uh, both oh, yes. uh, both NFL and college at this point in the year. Let's let's focus on the NFL and let's kind of break down the NFL playoff picture. Uh, I was kind of going a little bit into the NFC earlier. Uh, last night, big win for the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, big win for our hometown Chicago Bears, of course. You know, the Bears still have an outside shot to get the number one seed. Uh, the Bears can clinch the number one seed uh, if the Falcons lose to the Panthers, however unlikely. Uh, the Saints would have to lose to the Bucks, and the Bears beat the Packers, and the Eagles would have to lose one of their final two games tonight and next week against the Cowboys. So an outside, outside shot for the Bears to get the number one seed, but certainly is possible. Yeah, did you guys get all that? Well, I, I think what I, I think what we're really focusing on here is is obviously tonight, as I was saying, uh, if the Vikings somehow knock off the Eagles, mind you, the the Minnesota team will be led by Joe Webb and blah 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 blah. You know, they don't really have that much to p- play for. But if it does happen, crazier things have happened this year. I mean, there's been a lot of upsets. Uh, in the NFL, a lot of surprises, so you never know. But if the Eagles do lose, then that that gives the Bears at least that first round bye, and then then they're heading up to Green Bay to play not only for that bye, but you know ha- home games throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think if the Bears uh, wrap up the number two seed tonight with an Eagles loss, I don't think you're going to see the Bears really play on Sunday. I think you're going to see Jay Cutler in there for maybe half the game, you know, because it, it's such an outside shot to clinch the number one seed. Yes. Uh, yeah, but the Falcons are playing the Panthers. I mean, come on. If, if if the Panthers don't beat the Falcons, there's no shot anyway. So I think you'll see Lovey um, rest his players a little bit, you know, try to keep them healthy because you know, we've talked about this before. The ultimate goal is to win the Super Bowl, and you can't do that if your quarterback is sitting on the sidelines in a cast. So sure. I think you'll see, you know, if the Bears do wrap up the two seed tonight, then um, you'll, you'll see the starters in for maybe a half. I just think Lovey's not going to take that big risk to go for the number one seed when you have such an outside shot at it. Right, and obviously this is all hypothetical because there's no reason sure. to believe that the Eagles, one of the strongest teams in the NFL in general, even though they did lose to the Bears earlier this season, they are one of the strongest. There's no reason to believe that they're going to to flop at home. So I think we're looking at a very crucial 
Packers-Bears matchup this weekend, and I can't say I'm too confident going in after watching that uh, Packers-Giants game. The Packers knock off the Giants on Sunday 45-17, to and Aaron Rodgers throws for over 400 yards and four touchdowns without a turnover. So, uh, I mean, this is not the Packers uh, team that we've seen the last few weeks, and I don't even think it's going to be the Packers team that we saw earlier this season. They're, we're, they're not going to commit 18 penalties, uh, and they're, I expect them to be hitting their stride at the at the right time, which is right now. And I think, wouldn't you say this is this is a, a team not only that the Bears might have trouble with, but that anybody buddy will have trouble with in the playoffs? Yeah, they're picking up steam right now, and this is the best time to pick up their momentum. Uh, Aaron Rodgers comes back from the concussion. Uh, big game against the Giants. Uh, the Giants, you know, the Giants are turning the ball over at an amazing clip. I mean, Eli Manning could surpass Jay Cutler's 26 interception season uh, last year if he throws a couple of picks next week against the Redskins. So, I mean, the Giants, I'd much rather play the Giants in the playoffs. So maybe it's best for the Bears if they do beat the Packers, keep the keep Green Bay out of the playoffs, and maybe face the Giants who uh, turn the ball over a lot and the Bears' defense is predicated on turnovers. So it's, I guess it is in the best Bears' best interest to beat the Packers and keep them out of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. As it stands, you have Atlanta winning the NFC South, the Bears winning the NFC North, uh, the Eagles winning the NFC East, and then this weekend, it's still a division. It still deserves respect to be a division, but but seven and nine will seven and nine, or or if the the Rams win eight and eight, will win this division. Uh, so yeah, this weekend, Seattle and the Rams, St. Louis, they will square off. In Seattle for the NFC West title, winner goes to the playoffs. The Rams are seven and eight going into this game, and the the Seahawks are six and nine. But if the Seahawks win, they will go. So uh, certainly one of the weakest divisions we've seen in in many many years. But uh, presumably either St. Louis or Seattle they will win the NFC West this weekend. So that leaves us with the wild card spots. And we already know New Orleans has one of them, so it's really you know one spot left open, and that is between the Giants and the Packers. And does Tampa Bay even have a chance? I mean, they're nine and six as yeah. well. They, I mean, they yeah. they got to play the Saints. They got to play the Saints, but they they if they win that game, they need losses by both the Packers right. and the Giants, which is certainly possible. The way the Giants are playing and the Packers playing the Bears. Uh, so that, that's certainly a possibility. They're not they're not out of it by any means. But yeah, it, it's it's the it's the Packers, the Giants, and the Buccaneers still left. Uh, and the, in the yeah, and the Giants have wild card spots. Yep, and the Giants have the Redskins coming up this weekend. The Rex Grossman led Redskins that have won two and or excuse me, they did lose to the the Cowboys that one week, but they did they upset the who was it last week in overtime the Jags. Another yes. team vying for an AFC playoff spot, so maybe that game against the Redskins for the Giants won't be as easy as uh, anyone says. So, a- as we said, Green Bay, New York Giants, Tampa Bay—they all have a chance for that final playoff spot in the NFC. Let's go to the AFC, where you have the Patriots locking up the AFC East, uh, the Chiefs locking up the AFC West. Uh, Baltimore is in, the New York Jets are in, Pittsburgh has won the AFC North. So, really, it's hinging on what Indianapolis does this weekend. 
Right, and they control their destiny going forward. They clinch the South with a win or a Jaguars loss, uh, and they're playing the Tennessee Titans. So, um, you know, the Titans are a great team. They've been a disappointment for me this year. Yeah. But the Colts, I, I've said it since week 14 or so, Peyton Manning will not let this team miss the playoffs. Uh, and I, I firmly believe that they they will win. They will win that division, get in the playoffs. They may not go all the way to the Super Bowl because I don't think they're that kind of team this year, but I, I don't think Peyton Manning's going to let them miss the playoffs. So I, I think the Colts win. I think the Jaguars stay home. Even though the Jaguars have been a nice surprise this year, I think they're going to be on the outside looking in. Well, they had their shot when they went up to Indy to clinch the division and didn't get it done, uh, losing 34-24. to But you're right, the Colts control their own destiny. I agree. Peyton Manning is just not going to let it happen, especially against the lowly uh, Titans team. Uh, the Jags don't. Uh, the, the, the Jags have a team that is down and out as well, playing the Texans, who have just completely nosedived. Uh, Gary Kubiak certainly going to be fired, uh, but but I don't see it happening any other way than the Colts locking up that last playoff spot uh, and winning the AFC South as expected. Uh, they certainly, you know, that's the expectation every year for them. And they hit their rough patches and had their injuries, but I'm not surprised that, that they were able to right the ship. Uh, so, so let's move back to the NFC real quick. And, and I guess from a Bears standpoint, what is the team that you're looking at as, uh, I guess, the number one team you would not want to play, uh, if you're a Chicago Bears fan? Well, I, I gotta say it's the Atlanta Falcons at home. I mean, cause if the Bears do play the Falcons, it's gonna be in Atlanta. And yes, they lost last night, but that's the Saints team that's still, uh, fighting to get in, that was still fighting to get in the playoffs and they just clinched that last night. Yeah. Um, so I think going down to Atlanta would be very scary for the Bears, especially playing them on that, on that Georgia Dome surface where they've been so tough. 19 and 3 under Mike Smith. Matt Ryan lost for just a second time at home in his, uh, short, but very good career so far. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to say the Atlanta Falcons, which, you know, as, as long as the seeds hold out, which would be, uh, that would be the NFC Championship game. So I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to look forward least to facing the Falcons. Second choice would be the Packers, the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I, I, you know what, I'm with you on the, on the Packers thing. Obviously Atlanta is going to be one of the most difficult places to play, uh, but the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, you know, it, Let's just put it this way. If Mark Sanchez was able to carve up the Bears' defense like he did the other day, I don't even want to know what Aaron Rodgers could do or Drew Brees or Matt Ryan. So uh, those those three teams, I guess, toss the Saints in there as well. But, but of course, you don't want to face the Eagles. I mean, if you look at the Eagles, are are they really going to lose to the Bears twice in one season? I just don't, I don't see that happening in terms of the odds working out that way. So... You have all, I mean, this year in the playoffs, it seems like nearly every team that's going to make it in has potential to do damage and is very, very dangerous. And I think in past years, there's been a couple teams each year that maybe uh, snuck in and you wouldn't be really too afraid to play. But there's going to be a lot of great football teams in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, and as crazy as this year has been, you you, you really do have some some really good football teams and. You know, I, I'm with you on the Eagles thing. It's so hard to beat a team twice in one season, um, especially if the Eagles have a second chance at, at Soldier Field uh, with Michael Vick at the helm. They're going to adjust. They're going to find ways to, to let Michael Vick do his thing. 
But I think, you know, the, the field could work to the Bears' advantage as well. You know, the, the field being sloppy, snow, and, and whatever, you know, that, that could work out to the Bears' <clears throat> excuse me, advantage again. But um, like you said, some great football teams, minus maybe the NFC West. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a fun January filled January football playoff filled if that makes sense. Maybe I don't know. absolutely. Our good friend Brady Stiff joining us on Two Guys in a Mic Talkzone dot com. Neil Malone here uh, in for the coach John Cohn. Join in the conversation eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. We're breaking down the uh, NFC and AFC playoff pictures. We'll reserve uh, our Bears talk here for a few minutes uh, for, for a few minutes later, but let's uh, let's go to the AFC once again and just look at some of these teams. I mean, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, I understand you're sitting at ten and five right now. AFC West champions uh, finally ousted the Chargers that seem to win that division every year. But if you're the Chiefs and you look at the five possible other teams that you're going to to go up against in the playoffs being New England, Pittsburgh, uh, Indianapolis, Baltimore, and the New York Jets. I mean, you've got to be terrified. I, I, yeah. All of those teams have potential to go to the Super Bowl easily, and, and all of them have been doing it for the last several years. I I don't know what the Chiefs have to be thinking at this point. Well, there's that, that mindset that, you know, you sort of have to be just, just happy to right. be there. Yeah. <clears throat> But uh, I think uh, the Chiefs. I mean, the, that running game is, is spectacular, um, and they're not ten and five for no reason. I mean, yeah, they're going to be the decided underdogs in whatever matchup they find themselves in. But I, don't count this team out. I mean, yeah. they've been playing really well. So you know, yeah, they're going to be the underdogs. Yeah, they're not going to you know get a lot of attention. They're not, not going to get a lot of credit for being there. Um, but Hey, they're there, and we saw like last year the Jets. You know, they they almost went to the Super Bowl. They they went to the AFC Championship game and and lost. So, and if I remember correctly, they almost beat the Colts in that game. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it was like twenty three to once, ten or something. Huh? I think it was like twenty three to ten or something like that at the RCA okay. Dome. Maybe maybe they didn't beat the Colts or almost beat the Colts, but. Uh, but I mean, you get to the playoffs, and anything can happen. Any like the the old adage, any given Sunday. Uh, especially in the playoffs. I mean, this is just a year of, of crazy things happening in the NFL, and I, I don't think the playoffs are going to stop that. I mean, we're going to see some some crazy results. Uh, we could end up with a totally unorthodox Super Bowl. We could end up with oh, yeah. Rams and, and Chiefs, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and I'm glad you bring up the phrase any given Sunday because I think that applies to the Chicago Bears more than maybe any team in the playoffs. I've you know, I was listening to sports radio on the way in, and a good point was brought up. I think this Bears team could beat any team in the playoffs and lose to any team in the playoffs. I mean, it it sounds sort of obvious and elementary, but I think the Bears have, you know, have the skill and have the ability and the drive to go up against, say, Obviously, this would be in the Super Bowl, but say in New England and be able to pull off a win. But I also think that they, you know, if if things didn't go their way in terms of Cutler res- resorting back to turning the football over and all that, I think they could easily lose to a team like the Rams. So uh, I think any given Sunday is huge uh, in terms of describing this. Where do you realistically see the Bears in terms of team mindset 
and ability to beat some people in the playoffs after that 38-34 win over the Jets? Well, I think the Bears play themse- play against themselves more than they play against the other team pretty much every week. I mean, we've seen good Cutler. We've seen bad Cutler. We've seen good defense. We've seen bad defense. Mm-hmm. Look, if they limit their mistakes, if they limit turnovers, if they limit um, missed tackles on defense, they're going to win. I mean, Cutler is, what, 21 and 0 now when, when posting a quarterback rating of 100 or higher. I mean, that's, I mean all he's got to do is play well. He doesn't have to play perfect. He's got to limit mistakes. He's got to play well. Uh, the defense has to make tackles. The defense probably does have to force uh, at least one or two turnovers every game. But this team has the ability to beat anybody in the league. I mean, we've seen how well they can play. We've also seen how bad, badly they can play. Uh, one thing I think is going to help the Bears, uh, and in, in watching the, the tape of the Jets game again, Matt Forte is running like a mad possessed right yep. now, the last few weeks. So I think if, if he continues that momentum going forward, then the Bears have just added a dimension to their game that they have not had all season, uh, and that being the running game. I mean, if, you, if you're just adding that now and, it, and it, it comes to fruition and teams have to res- respect the run more than they did earlier in the season, the Bears are that much harder to beat. They're that much harder to game plan for. Uh, they have that much more to their advantage uh, when attacking a team because they can put themselves second and short, third and short, and that just opens up the playbook so much more uh, to, to Mike Martin, and Jay Cutler. Yeah, and then they become really dangerous when you see Matt Forte running wheel routes out of the backfield and catching yeah. the ball like a wide receiver. I, the guy seems like he could play receiver on, say, the Rams. Uh, you know, a team that has had <laughs> a team that has had so many injuries at that position. I feel like he could he, you could split him out wide and he could put up six catches for 83 yards and a touchdown every Sunday. I I, I mean, he's been great catching the ball. Uh, even better running the ball, as you said. Uh, Rick Morrissey's headline in the Chicago Tribune, uh, Chicago Sun Times, rather today, was "Why not the Bears?" And I think that's a good way to look at it. You know, a lot of national media uh, not believing in this team. You have Peter King, guys, guys like Peter King, uh, Rodney Harrison, Tim Hasselbeck. All of them have been very outspoken in the fact that they don't believe in this Bears team. But why not is the question. And wouldn't you say that's a good way to sort of sum up how this season has gone? Absolutely, but I, I can certainly see where Peter King and those guys are coming from. I mean, th- this team's problems on the offensive line still exist, even though they have uh, been hidden a little bit by the defense's good play and Jay Cutler's good play. Um, I, I still, I still think that this team can beat themselves so easily, and they walk such a fine line every game that they can teeter totter either way with the snap of a finger. So, um, yeah, I, I can certainly see where those guys are coming from, but Morrissey does make a good point. I mean, the Bears have momentum. They're, they've, they've been playing well the second half of the season. You know, why not? Why, why can't they get hot? And I, I think uh, the, the, the fewer games the Bears play in the playoffs is certainly going to work to their advantage because that's fewer games that they can beat themselves, fewer chances for them to beat themselves. So it's, it's definitely in the Bears' best interest to, you know, play the game, uh, on Sunday, as if it means something, you know, that, that's if the, the Vikings lose today to the Eagles um, and they still have to clinch that number two seed. So, yeah, I, I, why not? But I can certainly see both sides of the argument there. All right. Now, I know there's there's going to be a ton of uh, great football games uh, on this weekend. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, uh, Giants-Washington. You look at the Philadelphia game, Chicago-Green Bay. Um, so, you know, a lot more... 
uh, to be said, to be determined in the playoff picture. I want to ask you one thing uh, before we let you go eventually, and that is uh, this Soldier Field surface, the, the, the turf that everybody's been talking about. I mean, it seems like more players lose their footing at Soldier Field um, than anywhere else in the NFL. Do you actually think that it's a home field advantage for the Bears? Because I feel like... <laughs> I feel like that turf completely took away the Bears' pass rush on Sunday against the Jets. Now, obviously, it took away the Jets, too, because Jay Cutler had all day to throw uh, on Sunday as well. But uh, I feel like the turf has been taking away what makes the defense so good. And that's the pass rush. It's a tough question. Yeah, it's a tough question to answer because, you know, both teams do have to play on the turf. You know, we've heard that argument made. We've heard the argument made that the Bears know what kind of, you know, cleats they have to wear or the other team might come in and have to adjust, you know, after the first quarter or something. But I, I don't know. I, I think the Bears the Bears defense is predicated on speed. I mean, we saw it on Chris Harris's interception. If Mark Sanchez had thrown that ball a second earlier, we're probably looking at a Jets victory and, and a Bears loss because the way, the way the Bears defense works, if that safety doesn't have time to get over after – you know, that receiver gets behind the corner, then it's lights out, and that, that hole is there in the zone every time. So I think the Bears need good footing, and the Soldier Field turf is just its not uh, what they need to be able to have that good footing and that speed. I mean, we've seen Brian Urlacher fly around the field his entire career. I mean, what happens to the Bears if he can't chase down a, an outside run like he like he normally does? What happens if... You know, Julius Peppers can't get up the field and 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 sack the quarterback, or or Charles Tillman can't break on the ball. And I think they they have that disadvantage with the Soldier Field turf because they lose their footing so easily. And it happens to the other team too. But the Bears' defense is predicated on that speed and the ability to break on the ball and make good solid tackles. So I think it's actually a disadvantage. Yeah, I think right. The Bears would prefer to play on uh, like a field turf type surface. I agree with you because it then turns the game into okay, our defense may struggle, the other team's going to put up a lot of points, now our offense has to go up and put up a lot of points like the Jets game, and that's not going to happen every Sunday. I, I don't care what anybody says, the Jay Cutler-led Bears offense is not going to put up 38 points every Sunday, um, so they have to rely on the defense getting stops, the defense getting sacks, which it completely took away their pass rush. You barely said Julius Pepper's name in that game. So I think it turns it into a football game that the Bears uh, don't want to be playing. So I think that field turf certainly will be a concern, and I I would be shell-shocked if after the season the Bears didn't decide to go in a different direction, so to speak, um, with their field. Brady, before we let you go here on Two Guys and a Mic, uh, Neil Malone joined by Brady Stiff. I want to ask you about a couple bowl games going on. Are there any off the top of your head that you're really pumped up about? I've got the whole list in front of me. But certainly a lot of great college football this week. Yeah, I don't get excited about the bowl season. No? I, I just think, no, I, I really don't. I, the only game I'm going to watch probably, you know, from kickoff to final gun is the national championship game. Uh, I think that's, I mean, that's the only game that means anything. You know, these bowl games are just so... That's true. I mean, it, it it doesn't mean anything except for the schools that are in it. And, you know, I, I for one, am not affiliated with any of the schools in the, in the bowl game. I mean... My brother, my brother goes to Northern Illinois, so I paid a little bit of attention to that game out in Boise. Um, 
but I, I don't want to, you know, open the whole can of worms, you know, BCS versus playoff. But no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just not. I don't don't get excited for bowl season. Um, games that don't mean anything, and oftentimes they're blowouts. And you know, maybe I'll watch the last quarter of a close game, but I don't really get excited. The only game I'm really going to watch is the national title game. Couple quick hits here, then. Local teams, who you got? Illinois or Baylor in the Texas oh, Bowl? Uh, uh, I'll take Baylor out of my hatred for Illinois. There you go. Notre Dame and Miami in the Hyundai Sun Bowl. Who you got? Uh, Miami beats themselves a lot. I'll take the Irish. And finally, the Kitty, the Northwestern Wildcats and the Texas Tech Red Raiders in the Ticket City Bowl down they in Dallas. Been the same team since Dan Persa went down with the Achilles injury. I'll go with the Red Raiders. All right. Well, that's Brady Stiff joining us on Two Guys and a Mic here on TalkZone.com. Uh, we will talk about a couple more bowl games coming up next and later in the show. I'll tell you about a sport here in America that is making a charge and should be uh, rising into some pretty prominent relevance here in the next few years. Uh, that's all coming up here on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Back to two guys on a mic on talkzone.com. Neil Malone with you, filling in for the coach John Cohn. Filling in for the final time of 2010. What's everybody doing for New Year's? I mean, what's everybody's plans? If you want to call in, 888 463 6748. Plenty of stuff to do on New Year's Eve always. You can go the bar route, you can go, uh, you know, a, a a t- cocktail party at someone's house. But does anybody have any, I guess, unorthodox plans for New Year's Eve? I know I'll be going to a wedding. Not a bad place uh, in terms of a wedding reception to have a New Year's Eve party. But uh, call in 888-463-6748 if you want to talk college football or talk New Year's Eve. Got a couple bowl games tonight, and that that will be the Champs Sports Bowl in Orlando, Florida, and the Insight Bowl, Tempe, Arizona, couple decent matchups. You've got NC State and West Virginia in the Champs Sports Bowl, little ACC uh, matchup there. ACC Big, uh, Big East, I should say. And then the Inside Bowl in Tempe. I like this one. Missouri 10 and 2 against Iowa 7 and 5. Uh, the Big 12 versus the Big 10. That bowl always seems to produce some decent matchups. Like to see what the Hawkeyes can do in that game. Let's keep going down the list. The Military Bowl presented by Northrop Grunman. How about some of these names? They get better and better every year. That's based in D.C. You have Maryland and East Carolina. Don't really care much about that one. But Illinois and Baylor, I think, will be an intriguing one. The Baylor Bears used to be, you know, it's a good story. One of those teams that perennially was just at the bottom of the Big 12, bottom of their conference. Uh, teams like, you know, Indiana, 
for the Big Ten. I guess you can compare it to um, Minnesota the last few years. But Baylor is back. They were seven and five in the and four and four in the Big Twelve Conference. They face an Illinois team in the Texas Bowl in, uh, in Houston on Wednesday. That has some really impressive aspects to their running game. I mean, Mikel LaShore, you saw what he did to the Northwestern Wildcats at Wrigley Field, rushing for over 330 yards. The Illini just 6-6. Six and six. They shot themselves in the foot a lot this season. Uh, you talk about what they did in the last game of the season at Fresno State. They lost to a Fresno State team that uh, Northern Illinois really didn't have any trouble with in their bowl game earlier on this bowl season. So the Illini have have something to prove here, but I think uh, this one could be a good game, good certainly a game that will have a lot of local interest here in Chicago. Keep going down the list, a couple nice matchups. Uh, let's see the uh, the Music City Bowl in Nashville. You've got the UNC Tar Heels and the Tennessee Vols. I like that one. Uh, in the Holiday Bowl, how about Nebraska and Washington facing off in San Diego? That one on. Uh, the 30th, but I like, let me tell you my favorite one that doesn't have to do with the BCS so far, and that is Michigan State and Alabama. I think that'll be a great game. The Spartans only lost one game this year, 11-1. and I mean, not too far off from the BCS picture, 11-1, and 7-1 in the Big Ten. What a job. Mark D'Antonio has done with the Spartans up in East Lansing, and they face a Crimson Tide team that was maybe a little disappointing at a 9-3 and clip this year, just 5-3 and in the SEC. That is the Capital One Bowl on New Year's Day in Orlando, Florida. Who you got in that game, Michigan State or Alabama? Call in 888-463-6748. I talked to Brady about a couple of these games, a couple local teams if you, if you want to call Notre Dame that. Certainly a lot of Chicago interest. Fighting Irish 7-5, and five, coming off a, a really good end to the season. I mean, I know the, the Irish were very disappointing initially. They lost to Michigan, Michigan State, and Stanford all in su- successive weeks, and then they had that really rough patch uh, down the stretch where they lost to Navy and Tulsa two weeks in a row at home. But they ended the year against Utah, Army, and USC, Utah was number 14 at the time, and, I mean, uh, no one talked about that as a good win, but that was a decent one for the Irish, 28-3 to winners in that game. Then they faced Army, beat them 27-3. Army went to a bowl game. And then USC, they go all the way out to Los Angeles and beat Lane Kiffin's Trojans 20-16. to That was another win that not many people were talking about. So the Irish carrying a little momentum into this game, and they have an opportunity to play a Miami team that has fired their coach, Randy Shannon, a program in transition, but certainly a program with a lot of history. I think that'll be a good matchup. That is in the Hyundai Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas. That is a New Year's Eve bowl game. Neil Malone here on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Talking some college bowl games. I'll give you a couple more that you might want to watch uh, later on this week. Both of them also on New Year's Day, the Ticket City Bowl, the local Northwestern Wildcats, Pet Fitzgerald, will lead them against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And then down in Tampa, Florida in the Outback Bowl, keep an eye on Florida and Penn State, Urban Meyer's swan song, and a couple rumors lately saying that Joe Paterno's health has maybe not been as good as it has been. So 
I mean, you have a couple, uh, if you want to give Urban Meyer the legendary status, maybe you don't because he's had a little bit more of a, a short coaching career, but he has done a lot with those Florida Gators down in uh, in Gainesville. So Florida and Penn State, a good coaching matchup there in the Outback Bowl. So plenty of action uh, just outside of the BCS. Then if you want to move into the BCS, obviously you've got your Tostitos BCS National Championship game, Oregon and Auburn, a game that, that I think will be fantastic. It's nice to see a couple fresh new programs in that National Championship picture. Uh, lately it's been Florida, Alabama, Oklahoma, USC. It seems like every year those teams are involved. So Oregon and Auburn have a chance to uh, boast the national title game. Ohio State faces off Arkansas on the 4th of January in the Sugar Bowl. It's Stanford and Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl on the 3rd. You have the Fiesta Bowl, Oklahoma and UConn. It still bothers me that the Big East gets a BCS spot. I just I don't see it. It's a very, very weak conference. But the game I'll be watching is Wisconsin and TCU. Does anyone else have a feeling towards Wisconsin? They're just hard to hate. The Badgers are hard to hate. Even, you know, you might go to Minnesota, you might have gone to Indiana, Illinois, Iowa, what have you in the Big Ten. You might be an alum of any of those schools, but is it is it just hard to, to hate Wisconsin? I just, I like the Badgers. I like the way they do things on the basketball court, on the football field. Uh, so the way they ended the season was absolutely fantastic. I mean, you, you look at the way they went through this season, knocking off Indiana 80-23, to and then the next week putting up 70 points against Northwestern. I mean, their running game is ridiculous. It's led by a veteran offensive line that's going to have a couple guys drafted into the NFL, and then you've got James White, Monty Ball, and John Clay all in the backfield. I tell you what, I would not want to be the undefeated TCU Horned Frogs right now. I know they had a fantastic season under Gary Patterson, but they are facing the best running attack in the country, in my opinion, in the Wisconsin Badgers. That in the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day in Pasadena, California. I have a couple friends heading out to that game. It should be, it should be quite a sight uh, with the Wisconsin faithful, faithful heading out west to see that game. So that's a little bit of the 2000. 10-2011 bowl breakdown, lots of great college football games. It just bowl season, especially around the New Year's Eve, New Year's Day uh, sort of area, it just gives you that great feeling when you're at home, maybe enjoying some holiday food, maybe having a couple drinks, and you're you're just sitting on the couch flipping through the channels, and you just see football game after football game after football game. And you know that you're never going to be watching any commercials because you'll be flipping back and forth between all these different bowl games. It's a great feeling, and I certainly love when bowl season comes around. want to thank again Brady Stiff for coming on for the first half hour. We talked about the NFL playoff picture. There's your bowl breakdown. Call in 888-463-6748. Neil Malone filling in for the coach, John Cohn, for about another 20 minutes here on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. You can also find us on Twitter. At uh, two got at the number two, and then the word guys, Mike, no spaces in there. That we're on Twitter and Facebook. Search two guys and a mic. We've got a Facebook page as well if you want to check that out. 
Coming up next, I'm going to talk about a sport in the U.S. outside of the Big Four, that being hockey, baseball, football, and basketball, that is making quite a surge, and I couldn't love it anymore. I'll tell you about that coming up next on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Here in the studio, Neil Malone here on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. David Olson, our producer, want to thank him. Always behind the glass here. I want to thank John Cohn for having me fill in for him uh, three or four times here over the past week or so. It's been fun. We've talked plenty of different sports here on the show. We talked with Brady Stiff earlier in the show about the NFL playoff picture. Of course, a big, big football game tonight if you're a Bears fan. Now, I wouldn't get too worked up about it because I don't think the Eagles are going to lose to the Vikings, but crazier things have happened, as I said, uh, in this NFL season. seems like all of those elite teams have slipped up at least once. So if the Vikings do somehow knock off the Eagles, the Bears will have a first-round by home field uh, throughout the playoffs, which would be... Is it an advantage or is it? I mean, obviously the Bears faithful, the, the Soldier Field fan base is, is fantastic to have behind you, but that field, and we were talking about this with Brady earlier, is that field really an advantage? Is it taking away what is probably the Bears' best aspect of their team, and that is their defense, their pass rush? Because you see a lot of those defenders losing their footing, the Jets make Mark Sanchez, or the Bears defense make Mark Sanchez look like Peyton Manning on Sunday, uh, give up 34 points to an offense that had been skunked earlier this season. I believe it was by the Packers. Uh, so is it an advantage? Is it not an advantage? Uh, who knows? But nonetheless, a big game, and the Bears certainly want that first-round bye in the playoffs. 888-463-6748. want to switch gears a little bit here. And obviously, soccer in America is not the most popular sport. You've got four well-oiled machines in terms of sports leagues, the NHL, the NFL, the NBA, and the and Major League Baseball that pretty much control the sports landscape, and rightfully so. I am a huge fan of all of them and enjoy following all of them closely. But Major League Soccer... The American Professional Soccer League, maybe you're familiar with it, maybe you aren't just yet, but that's the key word, yet. They are quickly expanding around the, the country and even into Canada. There are being, there are 
soccer-specific stadiums being constructed all over this country, and every single team has now gone into the category of being a profitable franchise. Now, that seems like a small thing for a lot of professional sports organizations if you're used to the Bears, if you're used to the Bulls, uh, or whatever team you root for uh, outside uh, outside of soccer in the big four sports. But that's a big deal, and these teams, they're starting to bring in revenue. They're starting to make more than they spend, and don't get, and and please don't don't miss the fact that these teams have been spending millions and millions of dollars to try to be relevant and it's finally working going into this past season the MLS had 16 teams in the league well for this next season they added two more expansion teams the Portland Timbers out in Oregon and the Vancouver Whitecaps in British Columbia to make 18 teams There's already plans for a 19th team to join the league in 2012, that being the Montreal Impact out of Montreal, Quebec. So that's 19 professional sports, professional soccer franchises here in North America that will be part of the MLS. And plans for a 20 are not far away. Possible destinations being Atlanta, Phoenix, New York City, St. Louis, uh, New York City probably being the most likely. Now, if you think about building a league from the ground up, you want rivalries, you want something to get people excited. Well, the MLS already has the New York Red Bulls uh, in the New York area. They're thinking about bringing back the New York Cosmos, if you remember that franchise with Pele back in the day, to sort of do exactly what I just said, evoke that rivalry, uh, start to get that local feel to it. So this team, within the next few years could be a full 20-team soccer league here in North America with all of them making money, and probably when it's all said and done, 15 or 16 of these teams having soccer-specific stadiums. That is to say, uh, built specifically for the franchise. We have one here in Chicago in Toyota Park for the Chicago Fire. Uh, There are multiple stadiums. If I can count, it looks like four stadiums currently being constructed at the moment to add on to all the soccer specific stadiums at first. And that's the key. You want, you want an organization to feel like they're in their, uh, in their own element, have their own space for their fans. And this, I mean, this league is really, really making a push in terms of getting popularity. Now I mentioned the profit. I mentioned the stadiums, the fan base is increasing. Let's talk about the product on the field. Obviously, if you paid attention to the World Cup over the last few years, you saw that things have been getting better a little bit for the U.S., especially in South Africa, advancing out of the group stage, tying England, uh, and, you know, just being basically uh, an overtime or extra time game away from advancing uh, to the quarterfinals of that World Cup. So you had to be a little bit impressed and I think the that Major League Soccer is hoping that will carry over uh, to the U.S. So that product on the field for the U.S. men's national team, that's reflecting a little bit of what is seen in the MLS because half that team was made up of MLS players. Maybe not half, maybe a quarter. So that's starting to become relevant. It's starting. Major League Soccer is now starting to draw international players in to bring their talent to Major League Soccer. You have quotes from 
players in Europe that five years ago would have laughed off the idea of coming to play in MLS because the level of play is so much lower than that of some European leagues. Not a, not anymore. I mean, I, I follow soccer pretty closely, and you read articles about certain European players considering uh, moving over to the MLS, moving to America to play their soccer, not just because it's the land of opportunity, so to speak, or because they want to live on the beach in in L.A., but because the quality on the field and the teams, the product that teams are starting to uh, to put on the field is that much better. So pay attention in the next few years to Major League Soccer and the development that is going underway. They've added they added Philadelphia last year. They're adding Portland and Vancouver this upcoming year. They have plans to add Montreal in 2012, and they'll likely add. Another franchise, we don't know where that's going to be, a 20th franchise to put the league up to that 20 teams comparable to what a European league would be. So it's pretty impressive, and I think soon people might be a little bit surprised that they're going to start talking about Major League Soccer, a sport that even a few years ago wouldn't even get the time of day uh, from sports media or sports fans because of what we have with the NFL, the Major League Baseball, the NHL, and the NBA. Obviously, those teams control the American sports landscape, but keep an eye on it. It should be very, very interesting, and being a soccer player myself and a huge soccer fan, both of the European and American game, it's, it's, it couldn't make me any happier. So pay attention, Major League Soccer on the way. We're going to break for one final time here on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Uh, Neil Malone in for the coach. We'll be back in just a moment. Preview Hawks and Bulls before we get going on this Tuesday morning. Back to two guys in a mic on TalkZone.com. Neil Malone with you for about 10 more minutes here on this Tuesday afternoon. Happy holidays to everyone. If you want to call in, 888-463-6748. It does look like somebody uh, has called in here on two guys in a mic on TalkZone.com. It's Mark and Roselle. Mark, how's it going today? Hey, real good, Neil. How about yourself? Handling the snow, hopefully, uh, I guess. Yeah. I am handling the snow, and... It's good to be a sports fan at this point uh, in the year. I was just talking NFL playoff picture uh, about all the bowl games, but I understand uh, you might you had something to contribute to the uh, MLS conversation. Yeah, I, I, the, I think the league has done a good job putting franchises in cities where there's a little less competition for the sports dollar. Going into uh, Portland, where they only have to compete with mm-hmm. the NBA, 
Seattle where the NBA pulled out, you know, so there's one less pro franchise they have to compete with. Montreal where there is no baseball now, so there you know, less competition there. And in Vancouver where all they're competing against is the NHL. So Yeah, you know, putting you yeah. know, putting franchises in cities where there's a little less you know, where where they don't have four major sports to compete with to get uh, you know, fan interest and and uh, fan dollars is a smart way to grow. Yeah, and you see that, Mark, uh, as you mentioned, a couple of those markets, Seattle uh, averaged average this past season over 30,000 fans a game. I mean, you can't even uh, get that at some baseball games uh, with some of the mid-level teams in the MLB. Uh, so you talk about a, a market like that, a market like Salt Lake City, uh, markets that can really uh, rally around the team, and it gives them really a sense of, you know, a sense of sport in their town, uh, maybe in a town that wouldn't have uh, some of the bigger sports. And I think that's very smart and definitely part of the strategy. Um, it's good to hear that that people like you are following MLS because I think, you know, five, ten years ago it was such a smaller group. Um, and, Mark, I mean, do you see uh, do you see this this league continuing to grow the way it has done over the last few uh, over the last few years? Yeah, I uh, I do. I just hope that they don't get to the point where they have. Yeah, I I don't know that North America could support, for example, thirty MLS franchises like we have with uh, baseball and basketball. I don't know that the that the talent level is quite yet there to support it. I think I think twenty to twenty four would probably be a good place for them to you know kind of stop and and let the talent level mature a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that I don't think you're going to see the number go much higher than 20. As a matter of fact, uh, I think that once it gets to that, and if it doesn't, in fact, become successful, you might see them rethink uh, maybe starting a lower level league and at least inching towards that uh, that idea of having two leagues and and doing relegation uh, and promotion like they do uh, in Europe, um, and maybe having the team that finishes the best in the lower division and the team that finishes the worst in the top division switch spots uh, and and promote a little bit of competition. But I don't think you're going to see the teams um, do uh, much of that anymore. So, Mark, I appreciate the phone call, uh, and it's always nice to hear from you here on Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com, 888-463-6748. We want to go to Ben in D.C. before we get out of here. What's up, Ben? What's happening, Neil? How you doing? Mr. Heisler, good to talk to you. What's going on? Always a pleasure, man. Listen, I, I'm having a dilemma, and I saw that you were hosting today, so I figured I'd bring my dilemma to the table. At the beginning of the Chicago Bears season, I was yes. one of the fans, like a lot of us, who wanted Lovey Smith gone, felt like our expectations for the team uh, were pretty terrible, and that uh, he never really seemed to give us what we wanted as fans, any sort of energy, any sort of uh, taking responsibility for the team. Yep. And they've had a great year, and you have to give them a little bit of credit for it. But I, I think they're still an element of me that doesn't want him here next year. And so my question to you is this, based on what I've seen from the team and the improvements that they've made and the fact that the players really like him and they respond to him, unlike so many other teams in the NFL, as a Bears fan who wants to see this team do well and would love an opportunity to go back to the Super Bowl, can I still want Lovey Smith gone? And if I do, am I actually helping to the betterment of this team or am I just making them worse? Well, I think it's fair to still want Lovey Smith gone. I still think there, you know, that you're not alone. I think there are a lot of of fans out there that 
they have the same feeling as you. You like where the team's at, but you just feel like maybe Lovey's not the guy to take them all the way. Maybe he can take them to the playoffs, but but maybe he can't go the distance. And that's an interesting point you bring up. But I just don't I don't think um, there's any way he's going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So I think as a Bears fan, I guess it might be a good idea to start warming up to the idea of Lovey sticking around because this team, as you said totally rallies around this guy. They have his back in all situations, um, and he seems to put together decent game plans week in and week out. So I think it's it's fair to say, and I don't love the guy either, but he's getting results, and, and really that's all you're asking for. Um, so it'll be, I think time will tell, and if if you say have a, a first-round exit this, this year, maybe have another first-round exit in the playoff next year, then I think it's fair to say that, okay, maybe this guy can get us to the playoffs, but maybe he can't take us the distance. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think the other thing to sort of figure out with all this is this is the first time in seven years that he's finally made adjustments during the regular season. He recognized an issue that the Bears had and finally did something about it. So, you know, from that aspect, I really like it, but he's still so stubborn in so many different areas, particularly with the cover, too. And you just, you, you imagine going against a team like the Patriots, should the Bears hypothetically make it to the Super Bowl, I think it's just going to be another repeat of what we saw just a couple weeks ago. But good stuff today, Neil. Appreciate you uh, making the time to bring me on. Ben, thanks for the call, as always. And, you know, I think another important thing to maybe look at is is Jerry Angelo and how he drafts. I mean, I think a lot of the, the flack that, that Lovey has eventually got um, gotten towards him has maybe been related to the fact that they didn't draft the right guys. Obviously, Lovey has uh, a portion of the say in terms of which guys to draft, but ultimately the GM, Jerry Angelo, is the person drafting these people, and and you're seeing it more recently that, that maybe it's working out. But I think, personally, my question right now is I have a little bit more... Um, a little bit more questionable feelings towards the GM, Jerry Angelo, than I do towards the head coach, Lovey Smith. We want to thank Ben in D.C. from calling in. Also, Mark and Roselle, good stuff on the MLS talk. I want to thank David Olson behind the glass, and then Brady Stiff as well for joining us early on in the show to talk NFL. I'm Neil Malone, and you had two guys and a mic on TalkZone.com. <laughs>